Hallelujah. Let's just stand up one time and give him praise before I share a few words before our Holy Communion today. Hallelujah. 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 The Bible said, blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. Hallelujah. The joyful sound. The joyful sound. The joyful sound. The joyful sound. Hallelujah. If there's victory in your life, there should be a joyful sound coming from you to the Lord today. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to talk to you about incentives to overcome for just a little while today. Incentives to overcome. God doesn't just tell us we have the ability to overcome and we have been given the power to overcome. He's given us holy incentives to overcome. Hallelujah. And the incentives he gives is to inspire us on to get the victory that has been provided through his cross that we're about to celebrate in just a little while. Everything he did at the cross was for our benefit. None of it was for his benefit. He will benefit by it when we are safe and secure in heaven. And we are his reward, his bride. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But it is for our benefit. Jesus didn't need to suffer for his sin. Because he was sin free and sinless. And he did not become sinful. That's why he didn't have to go to hell and be tormented and be born again. Because he did not cease from being God for one millisecond. He would have to cease from being God to sin. God did not need to be born again. We need to be born again. So there are doctrines out there coming from prominent influential preachers today. But it is inaccurate. Because it's out of the contextual truth that Jesus was God incarnate. And to wit, God was in Jesus Christ redeeming the world to himself when he was hanging on that cross. And every spirit that doesn't confess that Christ has come in the flesh, literally that God became incarnate, because that's who he was. The angel said his name should be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Not some second, second-hand subservient person, but God himself taking on flesh. And that's why when they came to take him, they said, are you he? Are you Jesus? He said, I am. And when he said, I am, he said, I am just like God said to Moses, who shall I say sent me? Tell him, I am sent you. And when he said it, they fell back. And it made it very, very clear that they did not force him to the cross. He went of his own volition. And when Peter tried to defend him with a sword, he said, put up your sword. This is an inappropriate use of the sword. Amen. If I wanted to be delivered, in other words, I wouldn't depend on your puny little sword to do it. I would call the armies of heaven. He is, in fact, the commander-in-chief of heaven's armies. In the scriptures called the Lord of hosts. All the hosts of heaven are at his command. Praise God. And by the way, it wouldn't take all the armies of heaven to deliver. Amen. Michael the archangel would be all it would take. Amen. Just one of them. He's the warrior angel. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They sent an angel, an angel, angel. One angel was sent when Sinatra was trying to take the holy city. One angel was sent from heaven. And when he got up the next morning with 185,000 troops ready to march on that city, amen, the first thing he woke up to was not birds singing, but flies buzzing. Can you say, man? 
Amen. He woke up in the desert with flies buzzing because 185,000 men lay dead in their tents. Can you say, man? And, and listen, friend of mine, we serve a mighty God, a matchless God. Hallelujah. Well, the Bible said of overcoming. There's three areas to overcome, and we can't get through all the incentives for time's sake. But there are three areas, distinct areas, that we must overcome to have victory. Number one, number one, is the world, the world system. We are upstream Christians in a downstream world. We're against the wind. We are counterculture. And it's becoming more apparent Jesus said, marvel not if the world, what? If the world hate you. It hated me before it hated you. And the Bible said, if the world loves you, that's when you need to really take an inventory. For the world loves its own. If you were of the world, the world would embrace you. But you are not of the world. You're marching to the beat of a different drum. You do not go with the flow. Can you say, man? There are preachers that are going with the flow. And they're embraced by Ophrah. And they're embraced by politicians. And they're embraced by, by uh, false religionists. Because it, they, they want the hug of the world more than the favor of God. And the Bible said, if all the world speak, speak well of you, that marks you. If you're, if you're going to speak for me and the world is speaking well of you, that marks you. If the whole world can, can handle it, and they can handle you because you're so compromised and soft-soaped and, and all-encompassing and encompassing and, and accommodating to everything. If the world speaks well of you, know that it spoke well of the false prophets that came before you. God said, you're a false prophet. I didn't say that. God said that. But I will say it because he said it. Marvel not if the world hate you. It hated me before it hated you. And when you are reviled for righteousness sake and, and men speak all manner of evil against you, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to celebrate your separateness. Celebrate your distinctiveness. There are folks in here today, amen, that have a real problem with following Jesus. You ought to get over that and make up your mind that you're going to follow Christ today. And be an upstream Christian in a downstream world forgetting the things that are behind. And reaching forth to the things that are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Jesus Christ. Press in the Greek means to strain forward, to put forth a real effort. The Bible puts it this way, I suppose it's needful that I write unto you that you earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Earnestly contend means to put up a real fight. The boxing world, if you want to be a world champion, you are a contender. Can you say, man, that means you're going to drop every man that's put in front of you until you drop the champion himself and take his belt. Can you say, man, church needs to get that militant attitude back and get her fight back. Can you say, man? One preacher said, I don't have to preach on Ephesians 6. I just preach the first verse and it covers my church. We wrestle not. 
Ephesians 16, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in, in high places. And listen, those who influence this whole world culture, the rulers of the darkness of this world. Can you say, man? We have to defeat the world. You can't have divided allegiances. You can't have the values of this world and the values of God's kingdom. You have to choose. And I choose Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. I am not ashamed of the gospel. And I'm not ashamed to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We're watching things happen in the political world, in this world that has no regard for God, His Word, His person. My wife and I were talking as, as we dismantle the family and we dismantle the, the, the values that this nation was founded on. It's like grabbing a strand of a, of, a, of a knitted sweater that's hanging. You don't want to pull that. Because if you pull it, the whole thing begins to unravel. And the decisions that are being made. Listen, there's something above the august Supreme Court. And that is the God of heaven and earth. And we can't, as a nation, keep sinning against Him and flaunting our sin in His face without consequence. We are not above Israel. We are a wild olive branch, if you're a Christian, that had been grafted into the true vine. The Bible said, because of the grace that brought you here, do not boast against them or against Him. Amen. If He punished them for their sin... He will punish us for our sin. And I tremble for our nation. I tremble for America. I tremble for how far that we have drifted, amen, from where we should be. I'm going to read some things, and I didn't think we were going to go in this direction, but we are. The world is seriously committed to undermining the faith of Jesus Christ. The reason we are blessed today as a nation and have been blessed through these years is because it was founded upon biblical Judeo-Christian ethic and principles. The Ten Commandments, the Word of God, the New Testament, faith in God was the hallmark of this nation. And today that's something that's put down. Patriotism is at an all-time low. Amen. There are people that have no problem burning the American flag. And I think of all the people in World War I and World War II and, and, and the Revolutionary War when we got our independence and all the people in, at Pearl Harbor and all the people that have bled and died for this nation. And to hear, see this nation put down and people burning our flag. It's something run. See, I'm, I'm not normally political. I'm spiritual. I want to talk about Jesus and the kingdom of God. But we, you know, you know why things are going the way it is? Because so many Christians are sitting on their leaves and watching it happen and shaking our head about how bad it is. But it, when it comes time to cast the vote, many of us vote our, our money over morals. If we can have the government give us more money, we don't care about how immoral the country is becoming. But listen, friend, we're told to pray for kings and those that are in authority that we might live a peaceable life. If they keep making these decisions, there is a flashpoint where God is obligated to judge this nation. And we happen to live in this nation. Can you say amen? And we can't sing God bless America while sinning against Him in such a fashion, with such a rebellion, without repentance, that He's obligated to do something. 
something about it. Believe me, God is not sleeping. The Lord, He that keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. Hallelujah. He is slow to anger. Oh, but that doesn't mean He will never, ever show up and stretch forth His hand. Listen, folks, we need a revival in the church. We need people to wake up. It's a sleeping church that, that has become non-effective in the world about us. And we let everybody else lobby and everybody else. I was in Washington, D.C. They picked me again to go to D.C. Because years ago they took a, a preacher and let the computer do it. If they hadn't let the computer do it, it would have never been your preacher. Because they picked a preacher from every state in America. To, re- to come to Washington, D.C. because they were having a, a conference and they wanted an, a representative of every state in America. So of Alaska, Hawaii, it came down to me <laughs> in Florida and that computer spit me out. And so I went to Washington, D.C. I sat in the Capitol Hilton Hotel and I listened to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff speak, dedicated Christian. I listened to Gregory Vins speak through an interpreter i've told you this before they hired a united nations interpreter who interpreted russian because he was russian he was a preacher and a pastor in russia he preached the gospel he baptized believers publicly not privately they told him if you baptize another person one more you're going to prison for the rest of your life Of course, he baptized another person publicly. And of course, he went to prison, but not just any prison, but the most dreaded prison in Soviet Russia, Siberia. Believe me, if a bunch of guys in prison around today was in Siberia, in that frozen, terrible nothingness, and they had to go outside and do things in that cold, he had given up. His family was separated from him. His, his health had begun to deteriorate. And he was questioning God about being faithful to him. Amen. Because he had been faithful to God. And look where I am. Look where I've ended up. Separated from my family. And he said, then I felt convicted. He, we all complain sometimes. Let's be real here for just a little while. We all question sometimes. Even in the face of the cross. And Christ's sacrifice. That's why we, we want to have communion. Look back to that cross and quit complaining. Can you say amen? Amen. And just quit complaining. Start praising him again. He said, you know something? He said, I was questioning God. And then I, I, I don't know. He said, it's like the cross became brand new to me. And he said, he said, oh Lord, who am I to complain about my lot for preaching? After what you have done for me on the cross. And he said he began to praise God right there. He said, I, I, he said if I die right here and I never see my family again and I die here for preaching your gospel. It's an honor. It's a privilege. And I praise you for the honor and the privilege. What he did not know. And he, he wasn't praying for deliverance. He was thanking God for the deliverance he already had in Christ. And you can't take that away from a man. You can put him in Siberia in prison. But what Jesus has done at Calvary overrules and overrides. His peace and his joy can show up in the worst circumstances of life. 
Some of you are complaining about things not near as bad as that. And it would be so wonderful to see you go back to the cross and look upon the Christ that died for you today and begin to praise Him. Hallelujah. From a thankful heart filled with gratitude. It's how you overcome the world. You'll never overcome it until the kingdom becomes more influential and more prominent in your life than this physical world. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. I won't turn back. I won't turn back. Something happens when you praise Him in the prison. What he didn't know was a bunch of people in America had heard about his plight. And there was a church in Minnesota, a praying church, an interceding church. And they all put red bands. They had red bands with, with his name on it. And they, they put them on their wrist. And they vowed, we will not quit praying until he is delivered. We're going to intercede until God does something in his behalf. He didn't ask for deliverance. He found victory in Jesus and his circumstance. I'm reading the Bible that at midnight, being held over to be killed the next day, Paul and Silas are praying and doing something else that is totally out of the context of the circumstance. They prayed and sang praises. And it was not while they were praying. It's while they were praising after they had prayed. That something happened. Praise is the language of faith. The prayer meeting that's only intercession is incomplete. There's something missing. And it's called faith. Can you say amen? Whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing, what's going to happen? I don't know. Only God knows. No, something's going to happen. Hallelujah. What an incentive to pray. Whatever you ask in prayer, believing. 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 You shall receive. I love the way God talks. God don't talk like theologians who don't believe the word talk. They're making excuses for Him. They apologize for Him. Amen. They, they develop doctrines that does not allow, amen, for God to move so that we won't miss His presence and power in the body of Christ. We need His presence. We need His power like we've never needed His presence and never needed His power. So Gregory Vins began to pray. Oh, by the way, the prison shook. Oh, 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 by the way, your victory can touch a lot of other people. Satan's not just wanting to keep you suppressed and keep you down. He's wanting to keep the joy of Jesus out of you because it's awfully hard to tell people what Jesus can do for them with a face, as one preacher put it, long enough to eat oats out of a two-inch pipe. Horse walks into a, horse walks into a bar and... Bartender says, why the long face? Well, because he's a horse. Horses have long faces. Christians walk into church the same way. Only problem is you're not a horse. But the question could be posed, couldn't it? If you're a Christian, following Jesus, joying in God, victorious in Christ, 
Washed in the blood of the Lamb. Purchased with the precious blood of Jesus. Why? I'm going to give you a reason for that. One of them is, you got one foot in the kingdom, and you got the other foot in the world. This is kingdom joy. This ain't nothing you can, you can get from, from getting HBO. It's nothing you can get from buying a new car or a new watch and giving you that little high. <laughs> There's nothing you can purchase in this world that can sustain that joy of getting in that brand new car and driving off. It feels good for a while. I pulled in. I had a Buick blessed of God. And I pu- I'll tell you, that thing just kept on going. That old Buick just kept on going. She didn't look like she used to, and she didn't smell like it neither. I remember one, one Thanksgiving, we had a big old turkey. Remember when they had the brownouts in Tampa? Does anybody remember that? Well, it was one Christmas or th- Christmas, I think. It was Christmas. And they would shut down certain areas of Tampa because it was so cold because they couldn't provide power to everybody. And they would shut this one down for an hour and crank it up and then shut that down for an hour and crank it back up. And, and, and we, we had a turkey halfway done. And the power went off. And family members coming for dinner. And my wife and I said, we'll, t- we'll go to the church and see if the power's on there. I grabbed that turkey, set it in the back seat of that Buick, down in the floorboard of the back seat. I'm going to tell you about the gravy that had formed already. Every time I turned the corner, it sloshed out into my carpet. I got to the church. Guess what? Power was off at the church. My wife called the church, said the power's back on here. And so I took off home real fast. And every time I turned the corner, that all the juices went out into my floorboard in the back seat. We finally got it cooked, and we ate it, and we had a good time. And guess what happened after the cold snap? That Florida sun came right back out. And it might be 65 on the outside, but on the inside of that Buick with the windows up, it got up to 9,500 degrees real quick from the sun. And I'm going to tell you something about turkey, turkey juices. When it, when, have, you ever, have you ever smelled a dead animal? My car, my beautiful Buick, <laughs> smelled just like roadkill. I mean, it smelled like roadkill, and I tried everything. I, put, I, I, I couldn't get anything strong enough. I went and got my aftershave. I'm going to tell you something. You can pour aftershave on roadkill all day long. It ain't going to help. I I tried powdered stuff. I vacuumed. I cleaned. I got stuff from the auto play. I got this stuff that said it'll kill everything. Listen, Free Breeze wasn't even around then, but if it was, it wouldn't work on that. And I mean, we left the windows down. We run it without the air conditioner. Left the windows down trying to get the stink out of that thing. We couldn't get it out. We couldn't get it out. It just stayed there. It stuck. And this was my blessed Buick. And God just kept on blessing it to run. I look at people all the time. I wonder how you make it. How did you even make it here? I couldn't live in that, that cloud of depression. I wouldn't want to live in the oppression. I know you got trouble, but you got God. And if God is not relevant in your trouble, then you're really in trouble. Because the world about us is without hope because why? Why are they without hope? Why don't they have any hope? 
Why isn't there any happiness and any hope? Because they're without God and without hope in this present world. We have God, and He's the God of all comfort who comforted us in all of our troubles, hallelujah. And the God of hope, He's the God of hope. He's presented Himself as a God that always gives you the glad anticipation of future good. You don't have to see it yet. Just the anticipation of knowing that it's coming can make you glad. What's the old 50s song? I'll trade these sad rags for glad rags if I could. I'm going to tell you, the Bible said He'll give you what for the ashes, the ruin, and the devastation? He'll give you beauty for ashes. The oil of joy? Hey, everybody in here, from time to time, the oil in your car loses viscosity. You know what viscosity is? It doesn't lubricate anymore. Now you've got metal on metal. Oh, it's full. But it doesn't lubricate anymore. And you've got metal on metal. Because the oil, that's why you get an oil change. To get the oil with the viscosity. Everybody in a world with such oppression and pressure needs the oil of joy. You need an oil change today. Amen. Because you have God. It's supposed to matter. It's supposed to make a difference. I don't want to be like Vance Habner. He was honest about his congregation. He's, how, many, how many are old enough to remember iodine bottles? What was on them? Anybody know? A warning not to just drink it down. Skull and crossbones, death. Vance Havner looked out at people, just like you and me, that didn't have enough faith in God. And he said, I've seen happier faces on iodine bottles than in my congregation on Sunday morning. Now that's a sad commentary on the church of Jesus Christ. That is telling the world what you need is Jesus. You don't need drugs. You don't need alcohol. You don't need uh, all kinds of illicit behavior and sex. You need that that satisfies and sanctifies. You need that that will fulfill you. You need Christ. And you know what the world does? They look back at us and say, what's he doing for you when your trouble comes? So... Horse walks into a bar. And the bartender says, Have you forgot that quick? Why the long face? Well, because he's a horse. He's got an excuse. Come on. Doesn't he? He's a horse. He's supposed to look like that. Problem is, what's our excuse? What is bigger than our God? I told you I'm going to throw you a rope today. It's up to you to get a hold of it. But here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not coming down in that hole and sit there. Because if I come down in the hole, we'll both be in the hole. 
I heard an evangelist, this was just a story, but he said out in, out in Louisiana where there's a lot of bridges over bayous and things, he said a guy was crossing a bridge at 2 o'clock in the morning, worked a night shift, and he saw a guy, a car parked way over to the side, just room for, he, he had to go around it, and he saw a guy standing, holding on to part of the bridge, and he's looking over into the dark waters, deep waters below, and he stops his car and he goes back and said, Sir, what is your problem? He said, I've got so many problems, I can't handle it anymore. See, the world is without God and without hope. That's why Robin Williams had no way out of his depression but to hang himself. He couldn't find any reason to live. There, listen, you can live without, you can live, but listen, a comedian that made us all laugh, but inside he's dying. Listen, you can die on the inside while sitting on a church pew. We've got to handle this thing or it's going to handle us. Can, we can't let the devil keep on robbing us of that that Jesus Jesus has died to grant us and to give us. We can't allow that to continue. How many has ever went into deep depression? Deep depression. Deep depression. Amen. The devil will tell you the way out of your pain and your pressure is to kill yourself. God will tell you the way out of your pressure and your pain is to put your trust in me. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 Acquaint thyself with him, the psalmist said, and be at peace. Thereby great good shall come unto thee. Hallelujah. 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 And they shall be of thee that shall build up the old waste places. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. This is very, very real today. The very word and there are people that are going to come back here. And I want them to come back. But they're going to come dragging in. Because they got one foot in the world. One foot in the kingdom. And the world is going to keep winning. Because they're not under the word of God. They're not committed to follow Christ. And until they do, they're going to keep losing the battle over and over again. Amen. There's something wrong when someone is in an altar repenting. There's something wrong when there's no repentance. By the way, let me cover that real quick. Listen to me carefully. We exempt ourselves from this. Listen to what we exempt ourselves from. If we say we have no sin and everybody thinks of the world immediately. If we say we have no sin, we lie. First John says, you're a liar. You're disingenuous, you're dishonest, you're a liar. We got an extinguisher right here. We got one right in there. A lot of Sundays, we need them both right out here. Liar, liar. Why, Brother Ben? If we say we have no sin. Well, if we can't say we have no sin, then there must be sin that needs to be dealt with. And how do we deal with sin? We repent. And when there's no repentance, what are we saying? That's why people can sit perfectly in the pew today. Good name for those seats. Pew. Can you say amen? It's got a stink in the nostrils of God. We know. We know. We know when the word comes forth. Some of it is going to be for us. 
Don't be like the lady that meets me in the, in the, in the, when the service is over and says, Brother Venable, that's good preaching. You really told them today. Well, what about you? Well, I've been saved for years. Especially you. Because there's hope for the person that knows they need to repent. Where we lose hope is the people that feel that's not applying to me. But if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray, everybody say repent. So it's so easy to pray for America. It's another thing to repent so we qualify to pray for America. If my people which are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Glory to God. Be zealous, therefore, and repent for as many as I love. I rebuke and I chasten. Make the crooked path straight. Repent. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Jesus came preaching repent. John the Baptist came preaching repent. The apostles came preaching repent. John was baptizing unto repentance to prepare the way of the Lord. Amen. Listen to me very carefully today when we sit in those seats. And there's no sin that we need to confess of omission. And no sin that we need to confess of commission. No sin of attitude. Or activity that we need to confess. Then we are saying. We have no sin. The world takes precedence over God's house and God's work. And we have the audacity to say we have no sin. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. 52 weeks out of the year. There are people you will never. See in an altar. Never see bowing before God. Never. You know what they're saying? You know what you're saying? What I'm saying? I have no sin. I've arrived. What are you saying when you never? A year goes by. You're too holy, too knowledgeable, have too much revelation. Too concerned about what somebody might say if they saw you getting right with God. Because you're not supposed to be ever wrong with God. So we assemble by the hundreds and thousands to pray for America without repentance on our own part. And nothing comes of it. Because until there can be revival in the church, there will never be revival in the world. Can you say amen? Mark it down. Judgment doesn't begin with the gainsaying, sin-filled, sin-darkened world. That's not where judgment starts. Keith Green wrote a song. And he said the world is sinning. In the dark, the darkness of deception, the God of this world blinding the minds of men. The church is sinning in the light, the light of revelation, the light of realization 
of God's truth. It is not sin in the world that is holding back revival. It's sin in the church that's holding it back. The sin in the world, God said, where sin doth abound. My grace doth much more abound. The Greek word is hyperabound, superabound. Sunday after Sunday, in congregations all over America, Christians are saying, we have no sin. Well, what else are they saying? They never repent, so they must be saying, I don't have any sin. It's Him. It's her. It's them. And it's so easy to deflect sin in the church to the world because we can see the glaring sins of the world. But we cleverly conceal the sin in the church. That's why the Bible said before you pray for the land to be healed, repent. Jesus goes to a church. This is a church. We, it can be used for the sinful heart that God deals with when He knocks on the door of that heart. Has anybody ever seen the, the painting of Jesus knocking on the door? Based on Revelation chapter 3, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And Jesus is knocking. And if you notice in the painting, there's no doorknob on the outside. It can only be opened on the inside. And the assumption is, because the church is above repentance, we never associate it in the context that it's written. It's always the world that needs to repent, not us. It's them. They're sinners. We're Christians. Or at least we name his name or a symbol in his house. Listen to me carefully. This is why there's no revival. Judgment doesn't begin at Atlantic City. It doesn't begin at that, that legalized prostitution place near Las Vegas. That's not where it starts. It doesn't start, start in the gambling casinos. It doesn't start in Miami, the drug capital of this nation, where they're coming in, amen, by the bundle full. It doesn't start there. Judgment begins not with the people blinded in the darkness, but the people who are not responding to the light, who are closing their eyes to the truth. Listen to me carefully. My people which are called by my name will assemble together and pray for all those sinners in America. No. If my people which are called by my name would humble themselves. You see, you can't have pride that keeps you. If you care about somebody, what they think in here more than you cares about what God knows about you. Honey, I, sometimes you're going to see me right here on my knees or, or over there in that corner with my face to the wall. What are you doing? I'm repenting. I preached something that hit me. Because the truth is for everybody. No one, there's no exception. There's no exemption. And I see people that refuse to repent. They can't sustain the joy. They seem, listen, they, they come here and shout and dance, but they can't sustain it. They can't, it's unsustainable joy because it's not the joy of the Lord. It's their emotions for a little while. And those emotions will not carry you through the hard times. It's the joy of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's not when the Holy Ghost comes down and bolts you with, jolts you with some big lightning bolt of joy and infuses it into you. It's found in 
in the book of Nehemiah chapter 8 when they came back to the land and they heard the law and their hearts were broken and they got right with God and he said don't don't stay in that state of repentance you've already repented in your heart go and eat the fat drink the sweet for the joy of the Lord is your strength restored fellowship brings true joy Jesus had a message for the church of Laodicea. Rich and increased with goods, I have need nothing. He said, you need to repent. Thou sayest, listen, it's the church. That door is the door of the church. Can you imagine Christ not welcome in a church? You know what wasn't welcome? Oh, they wanted his healing. They wanted his help. They wanted his peace. They wanted his love. They wanted his prosperity. They were the richest church in town. They wanted his blessing. But they didn't want his message of repentance. It was that message that he was bringing to them. That said, if you're going to come here and preach repent, we don't want you in here. Because then what are they saying? What are they saying with that attitude? We don't have any sin. That needs repenting of. Every revival. Every true revival. Begins with true repentance. Seek him till he come. And and just fill our churches with people. So we can fulfill our building program obligations. No. Seek him till he come and rain what on us? Righteousness. Can you seek him until you get thoroughly right with God? Were they praying for power on the day of Pentecost? No. They were praying to be thoroughly right with God. And when they got thoroughly right with God. There came a sound from heaven. Like a mighty rushing wind. And they were filled with the power they needed to overcome. And to be witnesses unto Him. This is an amazing day. That we're living in. When the message of repentance. Is unwelcome. And in many circles. It is not even necessary to repent of sin. To claim salvation. What? Romans 6.16. Shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Whoever you yield, your member's servant to obey. Make no mistake about it. His servant you are whom you obey. If any man be in Christ, something has changed. It's got to change. And he will not force or impose his will on you, but you have to bow to that will. And when you bow to that will, it will change you from the inside out. We're not saved by works, but there are works that confirm that salvation has occurred. Can you say, man, every tree is known by the fruit it bears. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither an evil tree good fruit. So make the tree good and his fruit good. Hallelujah. Because every tree is known by the fruit it bears. Do not take me to a grapefruit tree and say, would you like one of these lovely tangerines? You say, Brother Vimble, are you judging? No, I'm a fruit inspector. Don't come tell me you're saved and you're still serving sin and serving Satan without conviction or repentance. 
Well, I remember when they walked the aisle. Walk the aisle? That's all there is to salvation is walking down front and, and saying a few words and walking back into sin and back into following Satan? That is not salvation. That's a counterfeit. Amen. I want somebody to challenge me on that while I'm in the land of the living. I don't want to be like those people that say, Lord, Lord, somewhere along the way. They got convinced they were saved when they were not. And whether they know it or not, they needed a preacher to challenge them with the word of God. And here's what's so disconcerting. This is not an aberration. Many will say to me in that day. Lord, Lord, and I will say unto them, see, you can't claim him. He's got to claim you too. It's a two-way street. Can you say amen? The Bible said the Lord knows them that are his. He marks you with the Holy Spirit. He seals you unto the day of redemption. Can you say amen? And if any man be in Christ... His life doesn't change. He's the same old bound up sinner doing the same old flaky sins and he never repents and never tries to get out of it. No, if any man be in Christ, if any man be in Christ, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. What has changed? Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Does he struggle with his flesh? Yes. And that's a good struggle. It proves it's the person who doesn't struggle with the flesh, who always gives in to the flesh and lives their life after all of the lust of the flesh and claim salvation that is saying I have no sin so Jesus knocks on the door of the church he's unwelcome he's unwelcome he's unwelcome the message of repentance is unwelcome we got too many big budgets and building programs to put a trip on somebody One of the most prominent preachers in America says, I never preach about sin. And he brags about it. Because my people need lifting. You need lifting up. I'm going to tell you, get right with God and you'll get lifted up. Quit playing the church game and you'll get lifted up. True freedom is when you are free to follow Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Not just free from your debt and free from your fear and free from all those other things, but when you're free to follow Jesus. Hallelujah. And who the Son says free is free indeed. It's the real deal. I preached in the prison system, and I remember one particular time as we get ready for communion, I remember one particular time preaching, and and we had a big fight right in the middle. Two men that had been separated, they let them open all the cell blocks, so they came to the Bible study. And when they got in there, I started praying over the message. When I bowed my head, said, so let's bow our heads and ask the Lord to bless the, bless the teaching of his word today. When we bowed our head, one guy jumped the other guy and they ended up in the middle of the floor. Distraction. The devil didn't want the gospel coming into that darkened place, sin darkened place. And, and I mean, they, 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 they were trying to kill each other. And the radios were all full blast. If you've ever been in the prison systems, I mean, you know, the loudness and, and the guards, there was, no, there was nobody down there. There was no closed circuit in that cell. It was a holding cell that they cleaned out and opened up for a Bible study. This wasn't going in on Sunday with the people on good behavior could come to a Bible study. This was all the cell blocks open and everybody could come. They didn't come to study the Bible. They come to get at each other. And so when the guards finally came, 
Because I told all those men, 32 men, I told them, I said, listen. I said, if they, somebody gets killed in here, somebody gets hospitalized, then the Bible study's over forever. And they jumped up and started hailing the guards. And they finally came and broke it up. And one trustee came in with a mop and a bucket because there was a puddle of blood on the floor running from somebody's nose and face. And he got this, and there was no, no hazmat. They just came in with a dirty old mop and a squeegee, and he mopped up the blood, squeezed it out, and a guard standing there said, you only got 15 minutes left. And I thought, that's all God needs if we're dependent on the Holy Ghost. Amen. He said, do you want your 15 minutes? I said, absolutely. And I'm telling you, the Spirit of God came down in that place. There was a man in there. And when I looked at him to shake his hand at the beginning of that, that, that Bible study, he had the coldest, gray, empty eyes that I have ever seen in my life. He, he, looked, like, he looked like the kind of guy that I don't know what he had done, but I know that he was, had come in for a court appearance to be sentenced. That's all I knew about him. But he raised his hand, first one up for salvation. And listen, I know there's jailhouse religion when people are just trying to show that they're going to turn their life over, turn over a new leaf. I know there's phony stuff. It happens in churches too, not just jails. Amen. Get in trouble, we have a phony commitment to Christ. I'm going to follow Jesus. If you'll just get me out of my jam, can you say amen? And then after he gets you out of the jam... As the proverb says, the dog has returned to his vomit. He goes back to the world that he's comfortable in. Oh, believe me, God's the only one that has the final say of where we spend eternity. But everyone is going to end up where they're supposed to be. Nobody's going to be in hell that ain't supposed to be there. And nobody's going to be in heaven that ain't supposed to be there. We've got to choose. So I remember my last day, that man came to every Bible study. He paid attention. He had raised his hand to receive Christ. We all prayed the sinner's prayer. The last day that I was there, I was signing Bibles. I had given them all Bibles, and there was a man in line for me to sign his Bible that I had given him. And he was walking, waiting. He was at the end of the line. When he came up, he said, thank you. Thank you for coming and ministering to us. And there's a difference in his eyes. Something had changed within. He didn't look like the same man. That man that kind of made me, you know, you know what I'm talking about. There's somebody, you just look in their eyes, you see it, man. You see the devil in there. You see the demon in there. You see the hate and, the, and the, just the criminal mind. But I saw a brother. I saw a brother. I knew Hallelujah. His spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And the same thing can happen to somebody else. I knew this is my brother now. This is not a con in here. This is my brother now. Something really happened to him. And the next words out of his mouth confirmed it. I signed his Bible and he looked me in the eye with the kindest eyes I've ever looked in. Much kinder than... And I'm not looking at you guys because y'all are very generous on Sunday morning. But I've seen some hard looks on Sunday. <laughs> He's wearing glasses. I can't even see him. Amen. He said, but I know that, that, that he loves me. Listen to this. He said, he said, Reverend Venable, 
He said, I am on my way to Rayford State Prison. I have a life sentence without parole. That means getting jailhouse religion ain't going to help. It's set. I have a life sentence without parole. But then with a smile and a twinkle in his eye, he said, but for the first time in my life, I am free. I don't know if that means anything to you, but that means everything to me. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is foolishness to them that perish. But to anybody who truly believes it and receives it, it's the power of God. And it will set you free in a prison. Say amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Signed all of those Bibles. I was working behind the church doing some yard work in Sulphur Springs. And a guy with tattoos and a motorcycle, big old Harley Davidson come roaring up. And I thought, see, we used to give away peanut butter sandwiches when we lived there. And I thought, he either wants a peanut butter sandwich or money. Because that's only anybody wanted in that our in the hood, down in the hood. We were there for a long time. Amen. 25 years there. 42 now going on pastoring. He, he got off his motorcycle and he come, come walking up, had muscles where I don't even have places. Amen. <laughs> I was already fishing for that $2 in my pocket. Amen. I thought he's going to want some money. I hope $2 is enough. Amen. Because I ain't got no more to give him. But I'll be glad to give him a couple of bucks. And he walked up. He said, do you remember me? And I said, no, I can't say as I do. He said, do you remember preaching in jail? I said, oh, yes, I remember that. He said, do you remember this? And he reached inside his leather jacket, and he pulled out a Bible that I had given him. He opened it up, and there was my signature on it. He said, preacher, I just want you to know that I got out of jail, and I am still following him. And he got on his Harley and rode away. And I thought I see so many people in church that don't seem to want to follow him just to hear that somebody really got saved and still following him. Made me want to do the chicken dance. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 Because if you're not interested in following Jesus, you play in church. And you're playing with God Almighty who knows your heart. And you can't play him. You can't play him. Hallelujah. For nothing is hid from the eyes of him of whom we have to do. And when he looks in my heart, I want him to know that I love him. And I'm committed to following him. So that I'll have the strength and the grace I need to follow him. Can you say man? I'm throwing your rope today. This thing is powerful. This is not some little churchy Mickey Mouse word of man thing. This is the word of the living God. And it's true. Heaven and earth will pass away. But his word will abide forever. And if we could get the people with one foot in the world and one in the kingdom to go ahead and step over into the kingdom, those people will get the joy that he promised, the peace that he promised, the strength that he promised, the power that he provided. Hallelujah. To overcome and live in victory. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Those three areas have to be conquered in the life of a Christian. 
to have any semblance of victory. And this world will wear on you. The way it is, especially in the last days, in the last days in particular, we're in need of this peculiar strength that only He can grant. In the last days, perilous times will come, for men shall be, and the litany and the list of sin in the world that would manifest. And right now it's manifesting without shame. In fact, those who are committing sins that God said He would judge are proud of their sin and flaunt it in his face they just said on the news recently news periodical as we close amazing that on a news internet news outlet one of the journalists would say this and that is that constantly reading the news can make you sick The Bible said Lot's righteous soul was vexed because of the filthy conversation of the wicked that he was exposed to day in and day out. There's nowhere to go anymore. But we can limit the influence of that. In our, we've got to get back under the influence of God's Word. We've got to get in a place of worship and praise. Hallelujah. That we see God bigger than the problems that we're facing and that the world is facing. Hallelujah. We need a Holy Ghost revival where Jesus is exalted. Not the devil and not the world about us, but Jesus is exalted. There's hope for America, but that hope begins in God and it begins in the church of Jesus Christ. It begins with Christians who are upset with the world but not stirred to seek God until He come and stir us up. And rekindle the flame within us. I come here with a flame in my heart. If you don't come with a flame in your heart, I do not want to hear what took it out because I don't want to lose mine. Can you say, me? Brother Bimble, do you have you seen what's going on? I know what's going on. Have you got in the Word and understood when you see these things begin to come to pass? Lift up your head. Your redemption is drawing nigh. Christ is coming soon. Brother Taylor, I'm careful who I invest in now. If you don't want Christ, I don't have time for you. Amen. If you go into a city and they receive you, let your peace be upon that people or that house. If they reject the light, oh, Brother Rimble, that's unloving. No, it isn't. That's loving people that may come to Christ enough to not spend all my time trying to preach to people that don't want Him. Can you say man? Can you say man? One missionary, and I appreciate what he said, no man deserves to hear the gospel twice until every man has heard it once. Can you say man? Hallelujah. He said if they don't want it, don't, don't sit there and try to cram it down their throat. Amen. There's somebody waiting to hear that will respond, that will truly get saved. Can you say man? Somebody, somebody will react to what he did at the cross. Go to that somebody. Oh, hallelujah. Shake the dust off your feet. What does that mean? As a testimony, you had the gospel. You had the opportunity. You did not want it. I'm going to somebody. 
cast not your pearl before swine. Why? They'll bite you. They won't slop. They don't want the kingdom of God. They have no regard for it. I want to say this in love, but I want to say it in truth. If you're not done with sin, go get you a double handful of it. Go live for the devil. For heaven's sakes, be real for once in your life. Be a real sinner or be a real saint. But quit fronting. Quit fronting. Quit fronting. And back to the church of Jesus Christ. How dare we keep saying we have no sin. How can we sit here and have no sin of omission? Got a Bible in our lap. Not one omission. Not one commission. Not one sin in attitude or in activity that we need to say, Lord, forgive me. And it's the lack of repentance in the church that is holding back revival in the world. Because the messenger, even if it's Jesus himself, that comes to Laodicea and said, I know your works. I don't know your testimony. I don't know your profession. But I know your works. You're neither hot nor cold. You are lukewarm. And because you are lukewarm, See, lukewarm water, this was more than just out of your faucet because that's not the lukewarm he's talking about. Laodicea had no wells in the city. The wells were way out of the city. And they were piped through clay pipes into the city. And the pipes ran through the hot sun to get to the city. So when it got to the city... It was lukewarm in the sense they all knew what he was talking about because you you put it in the shade and let it cool off before you drink it or you heat it and make some kind of drink out of it, but you do not drink it right out of the pipe because it will nauseate you. Come on, do you understand? They They were getting it. They were getting it. They understood what it meant. It'd make you sick at your stomach to drink a glass of that water. And they spit it out. And he said, what's happening right now in this church makes me want to spew it out. When God finds that, we can sing to high heaven. We can have the best preachers and evangelists come in with all kinds of messages. We can have every kind of program in the world. But until we receive his message and respond to it, if we're in that condition, there'll never be revival. Never be revival. He said, I know your works. You're not hot and you're not cold. Because thou art lukewarm, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Revelation chapter 3. You say, I am rich, increased with goods, and have need of nothing. I don't need this message of repentance. We got money rolling in. We got the biggest church in town. Look at our congregation in our parking lot. Look at the cars in our parking lot. Everybody's driving late models Preacher drives a Bentley. For heaven's sakes, it's got to be God's blessing. 
Now we're using what the world has put the premium on to justify our lack of repentance before God. You say, I'm rich in priests, the goods have need of nothing, but I say, we need to hear what God has to say. I say, you're poor. You're miserable. You're blind. And you're naked. I counsel thee, buy me gold tried in the fire that you might be rich. Anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. And that's a whole other story I could tell you about the book of Revelation. Truth about what they understood exactly what he meant. And that you put on a covering of righteousness that the shame of your nakedness not appear a robe of righteousness seek him till he come and, and heal us and help us and send us re- no seek him till he come and rain righteousness upon you blessed are they that do hunger and thirst for more money and uh, m- more health and more automobiles and more no blessed are they that hunger after what righteousness for they shall be filled filled with what what they're hungry for but the good news is you get right with god he'll take care of everything else because when you get right with god the kingdom will be first and when the kingdom is first because the king is first all these things will be added unto you that the world is selling their soul for literally and scampering after before we receive this communion I believe everyone in this room has something. We don't have to squall at an altar, but we have to get real in our heart. I'm almost 70. I have preached for over 41 years. And I am very sensitive to the Holy Spirit when He's speaking. And He's speaking today. And when I come into a building and there's confusion, God's not in it. I don't care if there's tongues and prophecy and praying going on. When there's no peace and those long faces are prevailing, something is amiss. Something is wrong. Can you say, man, tongues don't impress me. Tongues don't make you victorious. Jesus does. Jesus does. And I want to see a Holy Ghost revival before I go home. I want to see that. I want to see God's people in church on Sunday. I want to see that. I don't want to see the world keep invading I, like most pastors, have to wait and see. You never know what might come up. You never know what might come up. Anything could come up. And whatever comes up trumps what God is wanting to do and what God is wanting to say. And when that is put secondary to God's kingdom, the erosion will not stop until there's repentance. That life will continually be eroding. Those values will shift and they will change. Because there will be no repentance. Repentance doesn't mean squalling and bawling when we feel convicted. Repentance means a 180 degree turn. In the military, it would be about face. What does that mean? You spin on your heel and face the opposite direction. 
until we let's define repentance brother taylor it does oh i've seen too many tears but i haven't seen the about face but when the about face comes when the about face comes the moment you decide to follow christ he's going to grant to all the resources of heaven are yours can you say man hallelujah you will no longer be victimized by the devil you will be given victory by jesus christ hallelujah It's time for Holy Communion. How many know we need the Lord like we've never needed Him in our nation and in our churches and in our lives? Hallelujah. Will you please serve us Holy Communion today? Jesus getting us ready for that great day. Jesus getting us ready for that great day. Who shall be able to stand? Revelation chapter 6, one of the greatest questions that can ever be asked. The day of the Lord is coming. Who shall be able to stand? I want you to stand. Is that all right with you that I want you to be able to stand when that day comes? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me read this to you real quickly. Before we receive communion. Are you, is it worth another seven or eight minutes? Let me read from the original Harvest, Harvard University student handbook. This was written in 1636. Harvard University to show you how far we've drifted. Let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well the main end of life and studies is to know God in Jesus Christ. Does this land need a healing? Try that in Harvard today in their student handbook. And therefore to lay Christ in the bottom as the only foundation of all sound knowledge and learning. And seeing the Lord only giveth wisdom, let everyone seriously set himself by prayer in secret to seek him for it. Harvard Student Handbook. It won't play at Harvard anymore. William McGuffey. Arthur of McGuffey Reader, which was used for over 100 years in the American schools. Would you like to hear what he said? It won't fly today. Not in this godless, God-hating culture. The Christian religion, he said, is the religion of our country. From it, from it are derived our nation and the character of God on the great moral governor of the universe. On its doctrines and are founded the peculiarities of our free institutions. For no source, from no source has this author drawn more conspicuously than from the sacred scriptures. From all these extracts and from the Bible, I make no apology. Hallelujah. He was a dedicated Christian. They wouldn't let him near Amen, the curriculum for schools today. Is that the truth, Mike? They wouldn't let him come close. He would be politically incorrect. Calvin Coolidge said, 
former president of the United States, the foundation of our society and our government rests so much on the teachings of the Bible, it would be difficult to support them in faith if these teachings would cease to be practically universal in our country. Can you imagine a president? One president, I'm not leaning to one or the other, but there is a man running who said if it's okay for rainbow lights to be put on the White House because the president said this is my house, He said, if you'll put me in as president, he said, it'll be my house then. And there's going to be a manger scene at Christmas on the front lawn. Harry S. Truman said the fundamental basis of this nation's law was given to Moses on the mount. The fundamental basis of our Bill of Rights comes from the teachings we get from Exodus and St. Matthew. From Isaiah and St. Paul. Harry S. Truman. By the way, he was a Democrat, but he wouldn't be in the party today. Amen, or at the party either. He also said this nation was established by men who believed in God. You will see the evidence of this deep religious faith on every hand. Glory to God. Dwight D. Eisenhower said, Without God, there would be no American form of government nor American way of life. Recognition of the supreme being is the first and most basic expression of Americanism. Thus, the founding fathers of America saw it, and thus, with God's help, it will continue to be. He would never be put in office in this culture. This is... James Madison, a primary author of the Constitution of the United States of America. And I quote, We have staked the whole future of our new nation, not upon the power of government, far from it. We've staked the future of our political constitutions upon the capacity of ourselves to govern ourselves according to the moral principles of the Ten Commandments. I remember in Alabama when they had the Ten Commandments inside a courtroom inscribed on a big granite rock and until they could remove it because a few people got upset about it and the few amen ruled this country you know what they did i watched them on television cover it up with a tarpoleum amen so that if you they couldn't even wait for the movers to come and get it out once the court said they had to remove it from the courtroom i don't want to ever be standing in a courtroom that doesn't honor god can you say amen and yet that's where we all stand today James Madison said religion is the basis and foundation of our government. And James Madison said, Cursed be all that learning that is contrary to the cross of Jesus Christ. James Madison would not be in politics today. Abraham Lincoln said... In regards to this great book, the Bible, I have but to say it is the best gift God has given to man. And the good the Savior gave to the world was communicated through this book. But for it, we would be not knowing right from wrong. All things most desirable for man's welfare here and hereafter are found portrayed in it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. 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 And Abraham Lincoln said, And whereas it is the duty of all nations as well as men 
to our own dependence upon the overruling power of God and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. Can you say man? Somebody say man in this room today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. First Chief Justice John Jay of the Supreme Court, he would not sit in that August group today. They would never nominate him nor put him in. But here's what he said. Providence has given to our people the choice of their rulers. And it is their duty as well as privilege and interest of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. What, what, a, what a laugh today look where we've drifted from while the church eats meets retreats get involved in the world we're not interested in revival we're too busy john hancock signer of the declaration of independence that all may bow to the scepter of our lord jesus christ that the whole earth may be filled with his glory can you imagine? Can you imagine? Oh, by the way, together, those signers said, we recognize no sovereign but God, no king but Jesus. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm getting happy. I've... Folks, it's time to rise up. The church needs to rise up. Benjamin Rush Signer of the Declaration of Independence, he said the only foundation for a republic is to be laid in religion. Without this, there can be no virtue. Without virtue, there can be no liberty. And liberty is the object and life of every government. Every free government. Wow. Benjamin Rush said, let the children be carefully instructed in the principles and obligation of the Christian religion. This is the most essential part of education. in sixth grade they came and gave out Bibles for New Testaments for reciting the Gideons did for reciting the 23rd Psalm you can't give a Bible out on a school campus anywhere but guess where you can give them out you can give them out to the people in prison because they have no moral compass any longer can you say man can't give them out at the University of South Florida but you can give them out in Red Square Russia we're losing our freedoms in America And it goes on and on and on. United States Congress, 1782, Congress passes this resolution. The Congress of the United States recommends and approves the Holy Bible for use in all schools. Now there's controversy where a teacher can even have one sitting on their desk. In 1864, the United States Congress adds to the U.S. coinage, and they want it off bad and lobbying to get it off. In God we trust. There was no national outcry. There was no national outcry. There was no organization crying out that they were offended by that. 
Samuel Adams said, we have this day, 4th of July, restored the, the sovereign to whom all men ought to be obedient. He reigns in heaven, and from the rising of the setting sun, let his kingdom come. They were not just celebrating freedom from tyranny. Amen. They were celebrating freedom to serve the living and true God on July 4th. Look what it has become. Look what it has become. George Washington said in closing, it's the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and to humbly implore His protection and favor. Uh, this just fits Holy Communion. This is a prayer to pardon. On Thanksgiving Proclamation 1789 by George Washington, this is what he prayed on Thanksgiving Day. O eternal and everlasting God, direct my thoughts, words, and work. Wash away my sins in the immaculate blood of the Lamb. And purge my heart by the Holy Spirit daily. Daily frame me for more and more to be in thy likeness of thy Son, Jesus Christ. That living in thy fear and dying in thy favor, I may in thy appointed time obtain resurrection of the justified to eternal life. Bless, O Lord, the whole race of mankind and let the whole world be filled with the knowledge of thee and thy son, Jesus Christ. Can you say, man, if such a revered man can pray for the sins in his own heart and life to be forgiven? I don't think it's above us to pray for our sins to be given before we receive the sacrament today. If we say we have no sin, if no one repents during this time. First John says you're a liar. I'm a liar. We're collectively liars. Don't let your revelation keep you from repentance. Don't let your wisdom... Don't let your churchianity. Don't always be looking for an opportunity to minister to someone else when you need ministry from the Holy Spirit. And so do I. There'll be plenty of time to minister to others. But let's get the beam out of our eye. Can you say, man, there comes a time to get the beam out of our eye? That that blinds us to our own need. I'm not going to tell God I have no sin of omission, commission, attitude, or activity. I'm going to say, Lord, forgive me. Create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit, O God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then sinners shall be converted unto thee. And transgressors shall learn thy ways. I'll be a witness that you can use to touch others. Can you say amen? Will you stand to your feet? Let's take a moment to contemplate. And to pray for this nation as we pray for ourselves. Psalm 51 should be everyone's prayer. 
from time to time we need to pray it. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew in me a right spirit. If you can't pray that prayer, you're saying, I have no sin, no need for cleansing, no need to repent. That's why when you go in the house to God, you're supposed to hold your peace in the season of the Word. You're supposed to quit thinking about what you have to say, and you're supposed to listen. Can you say, man, you're supposed to hear the Word of the Lord for you? You say, Brother Bimba, God showed me. I want Him to show you you this morning. I don't want Him to show you. He's not going to leave you out while He's showing you everybody else's need. Anoint thine eyes with thyself so you can see. See what? See yourself as God sees you. Not as you think you are, but what He knows that we are. I will pastor no church where there is no hope of revival. I will not gloss it over to get people to build buildings and call it success. Oh, but God is investing in you people. God is investing in people that He knows He can stir and He can change and He can use. Can you say man? Hallelujah. People that will say, take this whole world, but give me Jesus. I will not turn back and I will not look back. Therefore, I will never go back. Can you say man? Onward, Christian soldiers. Hallelujah. Same night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had broke it, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Lord, we have repented of our sin. We have asked for your cleansing. We ask for righteousness to be restored. Awake to righteousness and sin not. We've heard your voice today. In the name of Jesus. You may break the bread. You may eat the wafer. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The preciousness. Of what this represents. The broken body. The shed blood of Jesus. He walked to the table. The cedar was being received. The Passover meal. Four cups are sitting lined up for each portion of that meal. He bypasses the first two and walks straight to the third. It was called the cup of redemption. He picks it up. He said this is the new covenant in my blood. Shed for the sins of many. As often as you drink it, you show, proclaim openly the Lord's death till He come. As often as you do this, remember me. You may drink the cup. Thank you, Father. 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 I gave you something. Let's give Him praise. This is called the Eucharist. If you have to go, leave reverently. Let's just give Him praise. Hallelujah. 